So I've had a difficult week this week. Oh, no, I've had a very difficult week. Yeah, thank you. I've had a very difficult week this week. <laughs> no, it's been hard. It's been really difficult. And the reason it's been difficult is I've put myself on a diet. And I needed to after Christmas when January arrived and I realised actually that diet in January didn't come. So we started in March. So it's better now than ever, isn't it? So I'm not doing it on my own because Anthony as well, my partner, he's been doing, he's been on a health kick as well. Um, and we've been texting each other saying what we've been eating. Um, that sounds like we've, we've, we've got a really boring relationship. We haven't, but... <laughs> But it's not been easy because I've been giving up things that I really like to eat, namely all junk food. So it's really difficult. Mince pies. <laughs> also, if anybody does want mince pies, we have 3,000 mince pies. And it's not an exaggeration. There are 3,000 mince pies that have been donated for flood relief. So if you want them or if you know anybody who likes mince pies or celebrates Christmas all year, they're upstairs, so help yourself to them. <laughs> But, you know, we're doing well, but it's difficult because it takes a lot of discipline um, because I just really like food. Um, now, Ant is taking it one step further and he started exercising as well. Now, I've not got around to that bit yet, you know, baby steps. Um, but I've just got to find the exercise that's right for me and I will find it. It is out there. But one exercise I know I will never enjoy is running. Although I am always inspired by people who run. So Beth and Jones, who comes here in the morning, she is a runner. And she runs, not because she's late, but she actually enjoys running. <laughs> oh, You know what? She even does half marathons. Can you believe it? And there are even some people who actually run full marathons. You know that? Can you believe that? Now, in the news this week, organisers of the London Marathon had to apologise for the way they treated runners who were too slow finishing the 26-mile course. You'd think they'd have a bit of sympathy, wouldn't you? One of the runners was a Welsh lady, Kerry Aldridge from Cardiff, said the stewards were sniggering at her effort and clean-up trucks were sweeping the road, but still she kept going. And despite being one of the slowest, she finished the course. Now, here is Kerry's story. Hi everybody, so I'm still running, look what's there, I'm halfway, the sweep of, the sweep of work goes past me, I'm packing up, but I don't care, I'm going to keep going, <laughs> thank you to everyone supporting me, I'm going to do it. I was... One of the last, if not the last person to cross that finish line. It's not what you see on TV. If you're an elite runner or an average Joe runner, I'm sure it is very much what you see on the TV. But when you're back of the pack, it's not. Um, you don't get that crowd feeling um, and they were packing up around me. You're pounding the streets of London for hours not knowing where you are, where you're going, having to ask for directions. I was told, follow the empty bottles on the floor. So that's what got me round. I got to this part where there is by the park, by a makeshift um, finish line. And the woman said to me, Kerry, you just got to run down there. So I started running, looked up, 
and there was this group of Chinese tourists coming towards me. And I was like, I'm not going to be able to get through the middle of that, all the sides. And I was just like, out of my way, I'm running a marathon. <laughs> Got my hand in my medal out of a carrier bag. And my little boy came and gave me a massive hug. And he went, Mummy, I just love you the way you are. And so it was all worth it. It was all worth it in the end. So Kerry finished the race and she raised £9,000 for a charity that supports women and men who've, who've gone through miscarriage. Um, so no matter what obstacles Kerry faced, no matter how slow she was, no matter the sniggering she endured from onlookers, she kept running. And she may have finished last, but she finished the race. And she says to see the look on her son's face and hearing him say, Mam, I love you just the way you are, was all worth it to her. Now tonight we're going to be looking at the book of Hebrews, not the whole book, um, just, a, just a chapter of it because we'd be here all day, wouldn't we? Um, it seems to have disappeared. It's gone, oh, it's gone white. So if you have your Bibles, we're going to be in Hebrews 12 verses 1 to 13. Um, I will read it and I will go nice and slowly because um, for some reason, that I think, you know what's happened? I think when you work on Mac and you transfer it to Windows, things disappear. It's disappeared for me today, but that's not a problem. We'll manage. So in the book of Hebrews, the writer describes the Christian life as running a race, but not any kind of race, a challenging, long-distance, grueling race. Because being a Christian is hard. Becoming a Christian, deciding to follow Jesus, doesn't mean that everything is going to go the way you want. Becoming a Christian doesn't mean your problems disappear. Jesus does promise us life to the full, but he also promises us that because we're Christians, because we follow him, that actually we face trials of many kinds and that we will have trouble in this world. Now, we love God's promises about the good stuff, but we're not such a fan of where he says, you know what, you're going to face trials. It's going to be difficult sometimes. There'll be some who, when they encourage people to follow Jesus, will say, yeah, come and follow Jesus. Everything will be great. They make it sound like life with Jesus is like being on a cruise ship, when actually they've got it wrong. It's like a battleship. It's hard. It's really difficult. When you follow Jesus, it's hard, but it's worth it. Now, no one knew this more than the Christians in the letter to the Hebrews. Now, we aren't exactly sure who the author of Hebrews is or the exact audience for sure. But as we read through Hebrews, we can tell that these people were facing much persecution and attack for following Jesus, for living the Christian life. And in fact, some were just giving up on following Jesus altogether. It's just too hard. Now, the author writes a long letter encouraging them to keep go in to finish while they started to finish the race and before the passage we look at looked at we are going to look at tonight the author reminds the readers of all the great heroes of faith who kept the faith when things were difficult who kept on going so as I said we're going to be in Hebrews 12 verses 1 to 13 and it goes like this therefore since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily hinders our progress. 
and let us run with endurance the race that God has set before us. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, on whom our faith depends from start to finish. He was willing to die a shameful death on the cross because of the joy he knew would be his afterward. Now he is seated in the place of highest honour besides God's throne in heaven. Think about all he endured when sinful people did such terrible things to him so that you don't become weary and give up. After all, you have not yet given your lives in your struggle against sin. And have you entirely forgotten the encouraging words God spoke to you, his children? He said, my child, don't ignore it when the Lord disciplines you. And don't be discouraged when he corrects you. For the Lord disciplines those he loves and he punishes those he accepts as his children. As you endure this divine discipline, remember that God is treating you as his own children. Whoever heard of a child who was never disciplined... If God doesn't discipline you, as he does all his children, it means that you are illegitimate and not really his children after all. Since we respect our earthly fathers who disciplined us, should we not all the more cheerfully submit to the discipline of our heavenly father and live forever? For our earthly fathers disciplined us for a few years, doing the best they knew how. But God's discipline is always right and good for us, because it means we will share in his holiness. No discipline is enjoyable while it is happening. It is painful. But afterward, there will be a quiet harvest of right living for those who are trained in this way. So take a new grip with your tired hands and stand firm on your shaky legs. Mark out a straight path for your feet. Then those who follow you, though they are weak and lame, will not stumble and fall, but will become strong. This is God's word. May God bless the reading of his word. So the writer tells the people, under no uncertain terms, that this race, this Christian journey is difficult, but here's how you do it. And he tells us three things. It's about your focus, it's about your team, and it's about how you train. So firstly, we're going back on ourselves. There we are. No, we're fine. We're good. We got it. Firstly, in order to run the race well, you need to ask yourself, where is my focus? The writer encourages the audience and reminds them that it's possible to run this race and run it well and not give up. But the way you do it is by fixing your eyes on Jesus. Now, we are called to look to Jesus because he is our ultimate example of how to run the race, how to run and how to run it well. We are to follow Jesus' example and because his focus wasn't on himself, he also kept his eyes on what was ahead in the next life. And because he had his eyes so completely set on what was to come, he was able to endure everything that was happening in the present to him. And in life, if you look at the obstacles, if you look at the difficulties, you look at the things that are going around you, yes, you probably will give up. But we are not to follow that. We are supposed to look to Jesus. The reason people run marathons, unless you're weird and do it for fun, is to get to the end and win the medal. 
you'll raise money for your charity. People don't run to get the experience of leg burns and heart burns and anything else that burns when you're running a marathon. They do it to get to the end to win the prize. Now, the writer says, we can run the race that God has set before us. How? Not by looking at ourselves, not by looking at the course in front and thinking how difficult it is. No, we do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. But how often when in the race of life, when troubles start to come, when obstacles, which they undoubtedly will, rear their ugly head, do we focus on the problem itself and not on God? How often when troubles come our way or when difficulties build up or when stress hits, do we look away from Jesus? How often do we focus on everything else first but Jesus? Because Jesus focused on what was to come. Verse 2 says, Because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross, disregarding his shame. Now, the word disregarding is also translated to scorning, meaning Jesus treated it as insignificant or of little consequence in, compa- in, to, in comparison to what was going to come. Seeing you and I brought to life, dying so that you and I could have a relationship with God the Father. That was his prize, you. Now, I don't know about you, but I don't feel like I'm any prize to be won. But thankfully, Jesus saw differently. Because the finish line for Jesus was seeing your face. The nails that went into his hand and his feet, the scoffs and the jeers that came from people, the agonizing death he died, for him it was all worth it so that one day you and I could see the beauty of heaven and have the joy of knowing Jesus forever. You are worth it to Jesus. You might not feel it, but you are completely worth it to Jesus. So he reminds us to not forget why we're running. We're We're not running for ourselves, but we're running for him. We can only run with endurance by keeping our eyes on Jesus, by having him as our ultimate example. And if we're not keeping our eyes on Jesus and we're trying to run this Christian life, if he's not our example for every day, then we're going to get burned out. Because there will be days when you want to give up. There will be days where you go, why am I doing this? Why did I decide to follow Jesus in the first place? This is really difficult. I can't do this anymore. I can't live the life God is calling me to live. But when you fix your eyes on Jesus, you're reminded of a few things. Firstly, his love for you. Because it was because of you he ran his race. Suffering, going through the worst pain imaginable. He had his eyes fixed on you. He had you in mind, your salvation. Secondly, you can be comforted by the knowledge that Jesus understands exactly how you feel. He can empathize with whatever you were going through right now, because he's been there too. He's not a distant God. He's very, very real and very present. And there can be many things that cause us to worry or lose focus. And for example, for us as a church now, we're in transition. We're looking for a new minister. It's a long process. It's frustrating. It's tiring. It's an important decision. But we have to remember that that person is going to save the church. It's Jesus' church, and it's easy to get discouraged by it all. But that's not where our focus should be. Our focus remains on Jesus Christ. No matter the season, no matter what you're going through, it's always on him. So secondly, on running this race well, 
got to ask ourselves, who is on my team? And I like that little picture there where everyone's helping each other and they got to the end, well done. So before Hebrews 12, verses 1 to 13, in Hebrews 11, the writer reminds the readers of the great crowd of witnesses. So other Christians who have gone through, gone ahead and lived a life of faith and trust in God and have completed the race of life successfully. And some of these people include Abel, Enoch, Noah, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Sarah, Joseph, Moses, Rahab, Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, David, Samuel, and all the prophets. Now, did they run the perfect race? If you read the Bible, no, they didn't. The majority had serious flaws, but that didn't let they didn't let that stop them. They still kept the faith. They still kept running, even in spite of all the things that were being thrown at them. They kept going. It was messy, but they finished the race. They finished the race because they had God's glory in mind. They kept the faith and they kept going. And the reason why we're reminded of them, I think, is that if they can run it, if they can run and finish the race too, then it reminds us that we can run the race and finish it too. Not because of we are, who we are, but because of who he is, because of who Jesus is. If he can help them to finish the race, then he can help me finish the race too, no matter what I'm going through right now. And when I think of that great crowd of witnesses in my head, the picture that comes to mind is a kind of like a big amphitheater and people are, you know, you've got the kind of the race going on and you've got all these people just cheering you on as you run in. And how much stronger would you feel if you got into the amphitheater and that was happening? People cheering you on in your faith. I'd feel pretty unstoppable, even though I don't like running. (laughs) And in addition to this crowd of witnesses, we also have today the church. We have one another to encourage each other along on this race. Now, the church is supposed to encourage one another along to keep each other motivated, to spur one another on to love and good works, to be there for each other when things aren't going well, when things are difficult. It says in 1 Thessalonians 5 verse 11 to encourage each other and build each other up. Why? Because, well, Christian life is difficult and we need each other. I need you. And for us today, we also have to ask the question, are we functioning properly as a crowd of witnesses? Are we inspiring others to run the Christian race? Or do we put other people off? Does the way you run your race inspire others to join into? How can we encourage one another in running the race? The words we say, the things we write down, the actions we take, all have a lasting impact on others for either the right reasons or the wrong reasons. And people, when they get discouraged in this life, need a word from the Christian friend to lift them up. And there have been times where I've really struggled and then someone will come along and said something. I'm like, oh, that's really encouraged me. That's really lifted me. And I think instead of looking and trying to nitpick things that are wrong in other people, let's look at the things that are right and be on the lookout to encourage each other in in our Christian walks, not tear each other down. There's enough of that out there, isn't there? Because you never know when your words of encouragement will pick someone up when they feel like giving up. And the story goes of William Wilberforce, the man who fought to abolish slavery, that one night he was really discouraged after yet another defeat in his 10-year battle against the slave trade in the UK. Can you imagine that, 10 years? 
Tired and frustrated, he opened his Bible and began to leaf through it. A small piece of paper fell out and fluttered to the floor. It was a letter written by the great evangelist John Wesley shortly before his death. Wilberforce read it again and he said this. Unless the divine power has raised you up, I see not how you can go through your glorious enterprise in opposing that abominable practice of slavery, which is a scandal of religion, of England and of human nature. Unless God has raised you up for this very thing, you'll be worn out by the opposition of men and devils. But if God be for you, who can be against you? Are all of them together stronger than God? Be not weary of well-doing. Go on in the name of God and in the power of his might. And I think when you get something like that in those times when you want to give up, it keeps you going. And that's what we've got to be to each other, encouraging each other in this stuff, because it's not easy. But if God is for you, who can be against you? And I think sometimes we need to remember that. So the question is, are you encouraging your fellow runners or are you waiting for them to slip up a little bit? Do you want to race ahead of someone and watch them as they struggle and do nothing to help them? What kind of church do you want to be? What kind of person do you want to be? Be an encourager. Challenge sin, because that is important. I'm not saying ignore everything. There are times when lovingly you've got to go to someone and say, look, I think what you're doing here is a little bit dodge. But encourage always. And finally, to run the race well, you need to train. I will never get to that point, I think. I'm not doing that. That's another one that I'm going to like, that's another form of exercise I am not doing. Now, no athlete runs a marathon without training for it because that's setting yourself up to fail. You're not going to run your best or look your best if you never get out and practice running or you sit around eating junk food and binge watching Netflix. And the same goes for your spiritual life as well. You're not going to run your best, your strongest, if you're not doing the things that cultivate a healthy spiritual life. And what's really awesome about the Christian faith is that God even gives us our own personal trainer. He gives us Jesus to help us in this stuff. But the less time you spend with your trainer, the more likely you are to stumble and fall. If you haven't got a proper diet, you're going to be weak. And when the hurdles come, you won't even have the energy to get over them. And Christian training is difficult. It's difficult because it involves God's discipline. And when we follow Jesus, we are dying to ourselves what we want and live in the way Jesus wants us to live. And that's a painful process because we're saying no to ourselves, no to the flesh and yes to God, no to what I want and yes to what he wants. And anyone who goes on any kind of diet will know that saying no to certain foods is difficult but it's essential to get into shape. Galatians 5 verse 16 says, So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. And the closer we get to Jesus, the more time we spend with our trainer, the more we crave what God wants. But the further we get away from God, the more we want what we want. Have you noticed that? That's the one bit in scripture that I'm like, oh, that really resonates because it's so true. The closer we get to God, the more we want what he wants. The further we get away from him, the more we want what we want. 
Part of that training means saying no to the things that will slow us down. And in this case, it talks about sin. And this is so difficult because it's easy to say no to certain sins. But as I saying, isn't it? It's always your favorite sin that does you in. There are certain sins that we really struggle with that because actually we kind of like them and we don't really want to give them up. But the writer tells us to throw off the sin that so easily trips us up. And you know, you will know what that sin is for you. You know the thing that you keep going back to that you hate, but you struggle with. For someone it could be lust, for someone else's anger, for another person's jealousy, for someone else's gossip. But to run an effective race, we're supposed to say no to these things. And that's why it is so important to get close to God during this time, because it is difficult. Sometimes, and I found this, when you think you're strong in one area, when you think, oh, I've mastered that little bit there, God puts pressure on that area and you actually discover, oh, the area I thought I was really strong in, the area that I thought I'd mastered, actually, I'm really not as strong as I thought I was. So then you have to go back into training and come out stronger than you were before. And physically, at the start, when people work out, they start off with those small weights, you know, lower size weights. And then they progress and progress and progress until the big ones, like this lady here. You don't stay with the little ones. You have to, to get stronger, the weight is upped and upped and upped. And it's the same for us with sin. God puts us in situations to refine us and to burn off areas in our lives that aren't pleasing to him. And it's difficult sometimes when this happens because in my head, it's a little bit like playing spiritual whack-a-mole. You know, the game where you hit one mole and another pops up and you've got to hit that one and then this one pops up over there. It can feel a little bit like that sometimes. But the good news is that actually when we do sin, when we do fail, we have a saviour. We have Jesus who died for us. And when we fall, when we struggle, when we're upset, he runs out to the stands and helps us to stand to our feet. He repositions us and helps us to keep going. And when we think about the list of people before in Hebrews 11, all those heroes of faith, the people who are renowned for their faith in God, we can get totally intimidated by them and think, I'm never going to be like that. But the truth is, every single one of them failed, and many failed badly, but God still used them. He still used them to do wonderful things for him. And they are listed as people praised for their great faith in God. And God can do the same for you too. We don't lose the race because we sin. We don't lose because we fall down. We lose if we refuse to get back up. Because Jesus knew everything you were going to do. Every wrong thought, every wrong action, every wrong attitude. He knew what you were going to do before and after you decided to follow him. But he still picked up that cross and he went to Calvary and he died for you. He's not shocked by your failures, by how you fall, by how you sin. And that's why he went to the cross, because he loved you that much. It may come as a surprise to you how you fall, but it never came as a surprise to him. And, you know, I remember a time in my life where I broke my heart over something I'd done and I was crying and I felt really awful and terrible. Um, and I realized, I've, God, I failed you massively. Here. 
And in that moment, um, the cross came to mind. And it was like I felt God say, Lord, that's what the cross is for. That's why I died. I know you're sorry. And maybe you feel like that tonight. Maybe you feel like I failed so many times. and I failed so badly. How can Jesus, who is perfect and who's never done anything wrong, who is so loving and kind, ever love someone like me? But never forget that the whole reason Jesus came to earth, the whole reason he died, the whole reason he ran that race was for you, to know you so that you can be forgiven. Never ever doubt how much God loves you. In life, you will face obstacles, some of which will completely wind you and take you by surprise and bring you to your knees this so painful. And there will be moments along that race where you sin, where you fall hard and you feel so ashamed. There will be times that following Jesus for you means persecution for being a Christian, where you're dodging accusation, where people are saying things about you that you know aren't true. And it's difficult. But the important thing is that you finish that race. It will get difficult, it will, but never forget The best sound that you will ever hear as you cross that finish line is well done, good and faithful servant. Let's pray.